0: Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to thank you guys for joining us today. We have a fantastic episode for you today. I'm really excited to introduce to you our guest. Uh, This is episode number 21, I believe. So I want to go ahead and jump in and try to... I want to try to do justice to introducing my guest today. And um, I'm going to encourage you, and I'll put links in the actual notes of the podcast, to check out his website because, uh, as I was telling him earlier, I don't know that I can fully do justice to... Uh, reading his bio or really introducing him. I'm probably going to butcher a lot of the names of these mountains that he's climbed. So please bear with me on this. But my guest today is Mr. Martin Fry. And on April 17th, 2016, he became the first person in the world to climb the seven summits, the highest peaks on each continent, and sail the seven seas. Now, for him to do this, He had to climb the highest mountain on every continent between August 2005 and December 2012, and he crossed the seven seas between uh, February of 2013 and April of 2016. In the process, Martin reached the top of Kilimanjaro in Africa, Denali in North America, (laughs) Aconcagua in South America. I even wrote it out phonetically and that didn't work. Everest in Asia, Elbrus in Europe, Carten's Pyramid in Oceania, Vinson in Antarctica, and crossed the North Atlantic, South Pacific, Indian Ocean, and the South Atlantic as captain, and the Southern Ocean... Arctic Ocean and North Pacific as a crew member, only using engine power when sailing was not possible. So that spans, I believe, uh, 14 and a half vertical miles and over 30,000 miles. Nautical miles. Oh, nautical miles. miles yeah. Nautical miles. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad I got through that because that was a lot of reading. But Martin, first of all, thank you for joining us. And I, I just can't wait uh, to kind of have you kind of start talking about some of these different things that you've been able to accomplish.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Evan. And thanks uh, for having me. And I appreciate all you do to
0: inspire uh, business leaders in Tulsa. Well, thank you. Well, this is actually – so the podcast extends beyond Tulsa. So that's why I'm glad to have you on here because we want to pull people in from all different walks of life and and people who have a lot of different experiences that can obviously help develop the people who are part of this group. But my goal is to reach beyond our city and our state and go – pretty much anywhere in, in the country we actually have we do have some people that listen uh in different countries too so um we definitely want to inspire as many people as we we possibly can but martin i want to give you the floor and i w- I, w- I want to allow you to try to explain first and foremost why uh but also kind of talk a little bit just about your journey and and what kind of got you to this point
1: Well, this uh, wasn't a lifelong goal to go do, it just sort of opened up as an opportunity and I kept pursuing each and every uh, leg of the adventure to see just how far I could take it. I love uh, setting big goals and having a vision of what you can do and as you test yourself on these, you keep gaining an increased understanding of what you're capable of. I think
0: so often um, a lot of people underestimate what they can accomplish. Yeah, I I actually was watching one of your interviews and uh, you said something along the lines of our body can do it if our mind can do it. And I loved that quote because, you know, we talk about being thought changers on this podcast and and changing our thinking. Uh, We can't change our destination overnight, but we can change our direction. And I think that you're kind of that walking example of having that right right mindset, setting those big goals, like you said, and really uh, pushing ourselves to that next level to achieve things that we didn't even think were possible.
1: You know, Evan, it starts with a with a vision of of maybe an audacious uh, goal or objective that maybe is only a dream, and then we start to envision it a little more clearly, and then we put ourselves in that dream and think about what would have to happen for me to accomplish that goal, and then from there it kind of gets laid out as a strategy. And from there, it's obviously specific objectives and and tactical issues and logistics and engaging a team around you to help you achieve your objective. But all of that comes together with that real uh, initial vision of where you think uh, you'd like to go in life. And those sorts of things, I think, um, require you to step outside your comfort zone and to just think blue ocean and what,
0: what could be possible if I really put my heart and soul into something. That's awesome. I love how you just basically laid out the plan for achieving your goals. I mean, you made it sound almost a little too simple. So <laughs> I'm going to have to make sure that I write that down because uh, I, I think you you put it perfectly, you know, from, from inception to completion, the exact path that you have to take. And w- what I love about that whole message there is that you know for our audience these are the people that are you know either getting started in their careers or they're maybe finding themselves in leadership roles and and they're getting to that point where they really need to create maybe more. Um, more extravagant goals for themselves than they, than they probably have ever uh, looked at before because now they're finding themselves in these positions where they're kind of setting the pace. They're becoming the leaders in their organizations or they're working towards that or they're leading people.
1: And you're, and those leaders will find their teams will really resonate with uh, an individual that has a, a, a driven, self-determining attitude. And someone who's going some places. They want to engage and partner and follow those kind of leaders. And the more we, as individuals, take on challenges in our life and push ourselves forward, our teams or our organizations will resonate with that and then look to um,
0: uh, emulate that same behavior. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, one of the reasons that I definitely wanted to have you on today is right now when we're recording this, we're still in January. And so this is actually a time where a lot of people are kind of evaluating, you know, the last year and starting to identify goals moving forward in terms of, you know, what is this year going to look like? And I came across some interesting statistics, um, that I wanted to share with you first and foremost, um, studies show, uh, that people who write down their goals are about, uh, they have a, uh, an 80% higher success rate of achievement than those who did not write write down their goals. So one of the first questions I want to ask you with all the different uh, things that you've accomplished, were, were these things that you actually wrote down? Absolutely. I, I
1: think um, some people have what you might call a dream board or something like that where they kind of uh, visualize and help them define it. For me, I go from just sort of a mental vision into starting to put a strategic plan together. Now, I don't have goals like go to the gym three times a week. I have a goal like climb Everest and then all of a sudden I've got to get to the gym or I've got to work out in order to achieve that impending event that's coming. So taking on an adventurous approach and what I call the adventure-driven life where you are finding something you're passionate about, people don't get passionate about losing weight they get passionate about looking good or doing something because they're in shape those are the things that drive the sustainability to allow you to achieve your objectives and going back to embracing life because it's an adventure and taking those things on with the attitude uh, makes all the difference between whether you get through those first
0: uh, or the third week of january or whatever it happens to be well i love how you basically set these amazing goals and basically the byproducts of all these goals are a lot of things that people are trying to accomplish so i think we should start encouraging more people to start climbing everest and uh sailing seven seas because instead of just saying i want to go to the gym three times um you know, maybe, maybe we need to raise the bar a little bit and and, and try to summit. Uh, maybe even it's just a 14er or something like that. You know, one. Yeah, of the-
1: it doesn't matter even whether it's a mountain. Entrepreneurship <laughs> is, is, is as worthy a goal as anything, and um, it is certainly an adventure. It's challenging and it's uh, risky. It's ambiguous and uncertain on the outcome. All the all the elements that make for a great adventure.
0: Well, I'd like to get a little bit more granular in your in, in how you set your goals and how you achieved them. Um, one of the other statistics I came across was that ninety two percent of all New Year's resolutions fail by January fifteenth, and we've already we've already passed that date. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that will be listening to this, going, you know what, that's me. I totally said I was going to go to the gym three times a week, or I was going to you know start reading more books, or whatever it was, and they, they didn't get there. And I think it it might have been because they identified what their goal was but they didn't put a a plan in place and so if you can talk a little bit about you know pick one of the different things that you did so what was the plan to ultimately get there and if you can kind of break it down a little bit more granular if you don't if you will
1: well I had a goal uh, to sail around the world and um, to climb the seven summits those kind of goals go on for many years and Life gets in the way. Um, We all wish we could just focus on one thing, but we're distracted by all the different things that go on in our lives. And so as you confront, uh, once you have your goal, then you kind of put this plan in place on how you think you can achieve it. And we spend also a great deal of energy fighting the laws of entropy and preventing us from getting sidetracked and and ensuring that um, the things happen. When uh, we were sailing around the world, we had engine problems, we had logistical problems, missing parts, uh, problems with the boat, problems with crew, all of the things that constantly get in your way. Storms, we had massive storms, winds up to 120 knots and uh, big seas, and obviously you have to keep working through all of that in order to
0: um, get to the end point. Yeah. You you talked about life getting in the way. In some, in some cases, people get in the way, right? Because like, I would love for you to tell the story that you told me about when you climbed Everest and you, you had to take an alternate route to get to the top. And basically, had you not done that, what would have happened?
1: Yeah, we were uh, climbing up on our summit bid. We were climbing through the night and uh, leaving camp four, which is at 26,000 feet, working our way up uh, to the balcony, which is the first place where you change and get new oxygen. And uh, uh, it's cold, it's dark, and um, we started following this other group. <clears throat> and at first, I was really grateful because they're, they're cutting steps in the snow and we're not having to work as hard. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. But then um, they started to go slow and hold us up. And all of a sudden, we heard on our radios, you've got to get past this group in front of us. And picture a rope line, and they were about 50 or 60 climbers. And so we had to unclip from the safety line and basically bushwhack up the side of Everest um, just below the balcony in some really steep, sugary snow. And that was uh, that was really tough. We were completely redlined, completely exposed, um, not able to have any kind of safety uh, factor in mind, but we had to get around them. And it gave me a great lesson uh, when I saw that they weren't successful, many of them ran out of oxygen along the way and had all kinds of problems, that you have to sometimes unclip from the crowd, you have to blaze your own trail, and that sometimes the status quo or the peers or the expectations of family and friends hold us in a, in a little box. They keep us you know, in that safe groove, but sometimes you really have to take an alternative path, and find your own way in order to achieve your your ultimate objectives. And ultimately, because of that, you were able to actually reach the summit, right? We did. Uh, We had a great time on the summit, and I got to pass those guys on the way down and see what a a mess they
0: were in. Well, I'm, I'm sure that you promised him that you'd give him some Polaroids of this, what the summit looked like or something along those lines. Did they, exactly. even, did they even acknowledge what was going on or, or were they just so kind of in the zone of just trying to get up there that they didn't even notice what you were doing? Well, they, they they
1: did. They didn't quite understand how we were able to pass them, or what was going on, or why. But at the same time, um, you know, we were all pretty uh, new to that whole experience at the time, and I was grateful for our expedition leader who forced us to uh, step outside of our comfort zone and just stay uh,
0: following the same path as everybody else. Well, one of the things that when we were when I first heard you speak and I came up and talked to you, we talked about the comfort zone and how how our comfort zone limits us and really where all of the magical things that really happen are outside of our comfort zone. Uh, I think a lot of people live inside of their their comfort zone and they don't they, they avoid taking risk. Like risk is one of those things that um, that you. Really, just don't want to do, or you want to take calculated risk where you ultimately know or you believe you know what's going to happen. But ultimately, I think they, they just don't like being uncomfortable, and those risks will actually scare them. So, for you, it sounds like you're kind of the opposite of that. Like, risk for you is almost something that you embrace, and being uncomfortable is something <laughs> that you actually run to when most people run away from. So what are some of the benefits of not being intimidated by risk or, or do you just, you're still intimidated by it. You just choose to ignore it.
1: Well, we don't ignore risk, but we embrace it. Uh, nevertheless,
0: <clears throat> life is an adventure.
1: And if you have the attitude that you're going to embrace that adventure, then your willingness to step outside your comfort zone and try new things and to extend yourself and to find um, that you're capable of more than you than you think will constantly be uh, a, an enjoyable process. <clears throat> I try to have a boundary of risk where I stay inside what I feel is a safety zone. So I'm not putting myself in peril. Uh, and yet at the same time, there's a, a big uncertainty with the outcome. It may or may not work, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm going to die, get injured. I remember when I was a kid, I learned to climb a tree, and I learned to trust my grip over my fear of falling. People feel very comfortable climbing a tree or a jungle gym. <clears throat> we let kids do it all the time. So it's that same kind of learning process that enables us to embrace risk and to take it on. But the key to it, I think, is is really our attitude and whether or not uh, we
0: know how to play the mental game. You said you're capable of more than you think. When, when did you really figure that out? Was it when you climbed your first mountain? Because or, or, that's a pretty big revelation right there.
1: Well, I think I've been figuring it out all along the way with each challenge and each thing. <clears throat> I didn't start trying to climb Everest. I started on lots of Smaller adventures and each one kept letting me realize i could do more i tried uh, adventure racing and marathons and triathlons and all of the things that kept building my sense of what i could accomplish and what my body can do and at the same time in that process whether it was you you know kayaking out in the ocean or or um even in business my, my learning process of and confidence grew as i understood what exactly i'm capable of experience doesn't eliminate the uncertainty it just gives us the confidence that we can solve the problems that we face along the way as we deal with that uncertainty or put ourselves in those environments
0: wow and that comes back to trusting your grip i i love how you so concisely put that in there because you know i I think about with my my kids right now they're playing sports and they get really frustrated when they don't you know score a touchdown or, or make a basket and for for me what i'm trying to tell them is when you make those big shots in those games and when you when you get the big result it's because of the practice it's because of the daily grind that you work out right now that will lead you to when you're in that 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 position um that you can trust your grip, or you can you can trust your shot, or you can trust to know that your skill is going to get you kind of to that point. You don't necessarily have to trust your grip as much when you're only two feet off the ground.
1: That's right, no, <laughs> but, exactly. But, but
0: when you're hanging off of Everest, it's pretty good to know that you, you're pretty confident that that hand's going to stay where it's supposed to be. Sure, and the same
1: thing is true in business when you're making that sales call or you're uh, dealing with that customer or working through all these issues and legal stuff that you're not quite comfortable with. You just keep working through it.
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to talk a little bit more about um, trusting yourself and, and, and ultimately you know getting to a point where you're training your mind you know we we're, we're talking about skills and 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 just being able to hold on to something, but I think for you climbing everest or and I guess everest is the one that everyone kind of knows, but really climbing all of them at some point i don't know if your mind's different than mine, but I'm pretty sure my mind would be talking me out of uh, or just telling me to quit pretty much from base camp on so how do you how do you get to the point where you've really trained your mind? to overcome, even to the point of probably mental exhaustion, to just keep going? Where where does that come from?
1: Well, um, just the way it starts on smaller adventures or running a marathon, you have to get all the way through uh, 26 miles. And you think, how? I I did my first marathon. I'd never run more than six miles. I got to um, mile seven. I thought, wow, I've run further than I ever have before in my life. I thought, what if I could get to mile 10? <laughs> and I ran 10 miles. And I was like, wow, that's like unbelievable. And then I was like, well, 13 would be a half mile. A half marathon do you think i could run that far and so i got to 13 miles i was so amazed of myself and i stopped and rest and stretched out and then i started up again and uh started talking to somebody i was running with and they said oh you're gonna get to a a big obstacle called the wall when you hit the the wall it's like when your muscles lock up and i have Didn't know what that was. and I got through uh, mile 18, and all of a sudden, at mile 21, I hit the wall really hard. (laughs) And uh, it was like my muscles, every muscle in my body ached and just locked up. And I stopped and drank and drank and drank and tried to um, rehydrate and get salts in me and everything. And then um, I had to make a decision whether I was going to walk the rest of the way or whether I was going to dig deep and start running in spite of the pain. And I basically limped on in. Now, that's where you push yourself and you figure out, okay, what deep suffer fest am I willing to put myself through? And some of that is learning to trust what our body's uncomfortable level is. And then some of it is learning to trust what uncomfortableness our brain to endure and sometimes we have to go through a lot of self-talk to get ourselves lined up around uh, mentally uh, ensuring that we put it all out on the table Um, i love reciting poetry and quotes and uh, have some favorites there was one called unsubdued that i said over and over on as i'm climbing everest that uh, kept me uh, motivated and focused about digging deep and thinking about what i could do
0: yeah, that the importance of self-talk. It, 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 it's funny because a lot of people associate talking to yourselves as being a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, actually, I, I think it's one of those things where you're almost you're you're taking that thought and you're making it words, and it's not necessarily for your ears to hear it, like because you already know it, right? But I believe, and I don't know how how far down the path you've gone on on. The power of your subconscious mind, but do you believe that that self-talk actually was reprogramming yourself to push yourself through it? So it's almost like you were using your mouth as as a vehicle to get it into a different part of your brain that was going to allow you to push through.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I remember um, many many years ago I read a book called The Inner Game of Tennis about the mental side of tennis, and at the time I didn't really understand what they were talking about and it wasn't until much later that I started to appreciate that that you can psych yourself out in tennis and people often beat themselves. And, and as you think about mountain climbing, or I'll say taking on big challenges, a lot of people um, don't learn those lessons. Um, I I learned so much from watching the guys drop out of these summit uh, teams and on Denali, um, almost the entire team dropped out except for me and my climbing buddy. And these were guys that were much stronger than I was. But they didn't quite have this uh, understanding of how to play the mental game as um, it it, it related to to mountaineering. And that was a big advantage
0: for us as we ultimately became uh, successful in getting to the summit. That's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear more about, kind of how you did that at some point Um, but I do want to make sure that we take some time to talk about the seven seas because we haven't even touched on that yet I mean it's one thing to go out there and be like you know what I'm just going to climb the tallest peaks on all the continents I mean I'm sure a lot of people want to do that but you know to get it and then basically kind of you know, finish that goal and say, you know what, now it's time to completely change it and go the other direction. And now we're going to sail the seven Cs. So uh, now you did that one a little different. That one you included your family, which I think is really cool. So I want to I ask you two questions about that. First and foremost, um, to, ha- to have the ability, A, to go and do something like this, you got to have a strong support system. And you also have to have uh, a wife that's really supportive, uh, so kind of talk to me a little bit about that. How did that conversation go when you kind of told her what you wanted to do and how was she able to support you, uh, on, on your first part of your journey, but then also on the second part when, when she actually joined you on some of your journey?
1: Well, my wife, uh, is uh, not a big adventure gal. She, uh, definitely was, um, uh, comfortable with me going off in the mountains, that was fit her model. She'd be happy to go to a, a nice hotel, <laughs> but we we ended up um, trying to think about how we could uh, make some of our adventures a family idea and a family uh, activity. Uh, she actually joined me uh, climbing to Ever Space Camp, and that was a big summit for her to get to seventeen thousand feet. Yeah. When I finished the Seven Summits, I thought, you know what? I'm not done with adventure. There's still more I want to go out and accomplish. And yet I wanted to not uh, just go off and do stuff on my own. But we have at home a a disabled daughter who's severely handicapped. And the idea of what could I do um, that was challenging and yet still bring the family along. And so the idea of sailing and beginning to think about how we would do it and uh, the idea of sailing across the South Pacific was was really became the uh, the family goal so we spent 9 months sailing through the South Pacific island hopping and visiting all kinds of cool things and diving with whales and sharks and manta rays and having a great
0: time above and below the water that's awesome i mean for her to be able to be a part of that too i mean was she just like was she really able to soak it all in i mean what what was what was her experience with all of that are my daughter or my wife you're um, you're
1: both but well, my- your daughter My daughter loves uh, being up on the helm and just feeling the wind in her face. And the more waves and bumps there are, the more she giggles. And that's about all she can take in. (laughs) But uh, for my wife, it was really a transformative experience. Her idea of snorkeling uh, when we started was two life jackets, three feet of water, and little tiny fish. I think she's related to my wife. (laughs) Yeah. And by the time we got to Australia, uh, she was very comfortable diving down 20 feet swimming with manta rays or whales and and having a completely different kind of experience and uh she really had to step outside her comfort zone to do that her brother had drowned on a boy scout adventure and their family was not ocean oriented at all and uh, she had a real fear of crossing uh, the pacific Um, but she was willing to uh, venture forth and um, try on something new and I think the rewards
0: were uh, a tremendous confidence boost for her. That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about how she was able to support you? Because you were gone for months at a time to do some of these things. And uh, I've watched the movie Everest. And so I'm assuming that n- not all of it's like that. But it it seems like it's, it's a pretty um, – especially on the family, it's a pretty tough thing to know where you are and the potential of you not coming back. How does, how did she deal with that? And how was she able to support you along that way?
1: Well, we did two things that as part of our, our promise uh to accomplish this one is that we always stay in touch and so i've had sat phones and cell phones and expensive uh communication uh bills but (laughs) but it's enabled us to make her feel a part of what was going on and to uh feel comfortable that um i wasn't overly uh putting myself at risk and but the other promise i made to her is that honey on any of these i can always you know Go, down, go back down the mountain and try some other year, and that I didn't have to force something. I think a lot of people get in trouble when they try to force something to happen and make it happen at a certain time. That's when, yeah, if you're sailing, if you commit, you've got to be somewhere by a certain time, you push yourself when you probably should just stay in port. Or if you're on a mountain, you might take risks and uh, have to deal with a storm or something that you wouldn't otherwise. So, so really- with... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, just with those two things, I think that enabled her to feel comfortable, and and she always thinks I'm happier when I come back, so uh, that's uh, why I get permission to go. <laughs> well,
0: I'm pretty sure she gets some time to herself, and maybe she's trying to find ways for you to go out and take another adventure so she can get some of her alone time too. I wanted to, I wanted to give you like a little window into my world. So I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me, and and I know it happens to my friends. Is so I get home from work and i've been working all day i've been doing you know man stuff and uh, first thing the wife asks when i get home or if she calls me during the day the first thing she asks is what are you doing to which i say well you know i'm working but for you like if she's calling you on a sat phone and you're you're climbing everest i'm pretty sure the conversation was a little different or was it the same as the conversation that i have
1: well, sometimes it's just working and, you know, I went up and down a mountain today and hauled a load up uh, 10,000 feet. Um, other times it's simply uh, sharing just how I appreciate, you know, the, the nature. And then, um, you know, while we were sailing around the world, she kept flying into all the exotic places. So she appreciated uh, I was pushing the boat to the next really cool port. she well, she's and, just like, hey,
0: Bora Bora is looking really good right now. I think you need to make a stop.
1: That's exactly it. She's managed to hit all the hot spots uh, without all the work in
0: between. So how did the conversation go when you uh, you were, cl- was, I think it was Everest, and you forgot to zip your, your, your pant leg? How did that conversation go? Did Was she in the loop on that, or did she find out about that a little bit later on? Um, she found out about that a little later. What happened was, as we were going up to
1: Camp 3 on one of our acclimatization uh, climbs, I had left the zipper open on my jacket. And there were about 80-mile-an-hour winds and the snow and ice packed in around my leg. And I didn't realize it until I all of a sudden couldn't move my my leg. And then I looked down and I realized my whole leg is encased in, in hard uh, pack. And I was so tired and dehydrated, I didn't really want to deal with it. And um, <laughs> I just sort of sat down and tried to realize, hmm, you know how, it's just going to be a tremendous amount of work to dry myself out and and figure this out and i just thought i would, i can appreciate that there are guys up in the yukon that just lay down and go to sleep and don't wake up yeah and uh that was a that was a low point uh and certainly one i had to dig deep to deal
0: with the problem at hand <laughs> well i'm glad you made it through that one i'm sure your wife was was glad that you made made it through that one as well Um, I want to go ahead and wrap it up. I, 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 again, all the different things that we talked about are amazing and and I definitely want to encourage our guys to go check out some of the different, uh, news clips on the website, seven summits, seven seas.org. Um, we're talking about just, I mean, we're just barely scratching the surface here on some of the amazing stories that Martin has. If you can, if you see him around or have the opportunity to hear him speak, I highly encourage you to do so because, um, with an audio podcast, you can't see some of the videos of the just enormous waves that he had to um, navigate as he was crossing the seven seas, or just trying to show how how tiny a person looks on top of or as they're working their way up a mountain like Everest. So, definitely be sure to check those out. But one of the last things that I do want to talk about is looking beyond your goals. You've you've gone through and accomplished something that uh, no no person. Has accomplished. You actually have a, a Guinness World Record, and uh, I actually saw was I think it was NBC surprised you with that. I don't think you were expecting that, so that was kind of cool. But you know, now that you've gone and you've accomplished those kinds of things, how do you how do you stay competitive? Because one of the other things that we talk about was you know getting this point where you hit cruise control and you start to coast a little bit, and when you start to coast, that's when everybody catches up or you become complacent. So when you when you achieve these gigantic goals that you've, you've done, how do you still continue to challenge yourself and, and keep yourself motivated going forward? I think um, I learned a lot. When I got off
1: Everest, I did get complacent. I didn't know what my next goal was, and I just became a couch potato for a while. (laughs) And um, when I finished the seven summits, um, I was in Antarctica, and I just finished climbing. I decided, what else can I do? And I thought, wow, I could cross-country ski to the South Pole while I'm here. And so I did that, and I thought, what else can I do? And I thought, hey, I'm going to go climb a mountain that no one else has climbed before. And uh, I did and I was successful. And uh, then I thought, well, let's get into the sailing. So it was only about a month, month and a half between when I came back from Antarctica and when I crossed my first ocean. So keeping that momentum going and, and continually challenging yourself. For me now, it's about inspiring others to help them achieve their goals. Obviously, I continue to have adventures and and look to new challenges. Uh, I'm heading off to Cuba here next month uh, to uh, go scuba diving and to uh, find a great uh, marine reserve down there that I, I call the Isle of the Queens. And those kinds of things continue to inspire and challenge me, but particularly also enabling others to achieve their dreams in life.
0: So so no aspirations to go to the moon or outer space or anything? Is that on the list?
1: No, uh, not the moon. Maybe the North <laughs> Pole, but not the moon. So.
0: <laughs> well, if you go to the North Pole, put a put in a good word to the big guy for me there. I'd appreciate that. But um Martin, thank you for taking the time to speak to our group, to challenge us, to motivate us, you know, when we hear stories like this, hopefully this helps expand our listeners' mindset. View the opportunity and view the ability to achieve things that you think right now are impossible. Like before even hearing Martin's story, I it never even crossed my mind that somebody would consider doing something like this. So hopefully if anything, this this moment of, of, of trying to develop yourself and, and listen to some of the things that we're talking about today. My goal for you is to reevaluate those goals that you have and write them down. Find a path to get to the point that you want to get to and identify ways to kind of keep track of the direction that you're going so that you can achieve these things. Because if there's anything that Martin can attest to is that anything is really possible. You know, we, we we sometimes stumble on the idea that, you know, well, you know, my mom said that I could do anything I put my mind to, but I don't necessarily believe that. I think that Martin's kind of the walking example of that it is possible to do some of those things. So Martin, thank you for taking the time to speak to our group. And I encourage you to just keep moving forward in challenging yourself because who knows? I mean, you're still a young guy to me in terms of uh, uh, everything else. I I still think you got a lot left in you.
1: Thanks, Evan. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And I wish everyone uh, that they remember your body can do it if your mind can.
0: Young Businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, We meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.